you. Oh, Nick, that song. It's like you'd heard my sermon already. Sneaky. I love how the Holy Spirit works that way. We're talking about prayers for the nations. And I think y'all have seen way more than I have how the necessity of prayers for the nations, it's always a necessity, but the needfulness, the intensity of that waxes and wanes. But lately we feel like, I feel like we've been in a season where that's a little more needful. So come Holy Spirit, be with the nations of the world. God, be with us as we hear your world beyond the uh, nations we have created so that in, in hearing that word you give to us, we have a greater sense of your picture out of this word and how we are to live in, in the world offering you. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. So we're going to begin with a happy Independence Day. Everybody, I will not see you on Wednesday, so our offices are closed. You're welcome to come here, but hopefully you won't get in. We should be locked down, right, John? Where's John at? I thought I saw him earlier. We want to make sure that uh, our staff gets to celebrate that Independence Day with everybody. And Jim, I want to thank you for your service for us this weekend. I am going to start by um, having a little pop quiz for the folks who are worshiping here. So Jim, you can't give any answers because you probably know them all. But we're going to have a little bit of trivia about that flag that you saw processed in just a little bit ago. Uh, the design of the flag has been modified officially. Let's see. Let's go here. It's been modified several times since 1777. Who knows how many designs there have been? Any idea? Three. Five. 27. <laughs> and if you were born before 1960, you've seen three of those designs already. Just since 5960, it's changed three times. So next one, how many, well, you can close your eyes, don't cheat. I'm, I'm giving you a big hint up here. How many stripes and what do they stand for? 13 colonies, yes. And how many stars and what do they represent? 50 states. So yeah, that's why it's changed since, uh, what, 1960, I think I said. We had 48 states? For, no, it was 59. Yeah, it was 59, not 60. 48, then 49, then 50 states. So just in, in y'all's lifetime, for many people who are gathered here, you've seen three of those 27 designs already. I'm pretty confident that if I had asked you to close your eyes or if I hadn't put this picture up there, that you could have described this flag to me flawlessly. Most of you... If, if you went to public school in America, I'd like to say all of you, uh, but most of you could also recite the Pledge of Allegiance to our country's flag, this flag that represents a unity of the people, we the people, that phrase from the uh, preamble to the United States Constitution. But did you happen to notice um, when we were doing that processional that we had a second flag here in this space? Anybody ever noticed that before? It's not a flag that we talk about. It doesn't get a lot of buzz. Nobody is really expressing an opinion or arguing about it. But I do invite you to close your eyes. Don't cheat and look behind me. Look over there or close your eyes. And can you tell me what that other flag looks like? You can, what does it look like? It's red, white, and blue. Oh, I love that. Yes. Nice. It's red, white, and blue. Yes. It has a single star. Should I buzz you if you're wrong? Huh. If I hadn't looked, yeah. <laughs> there's no star. This is what it looks like. I don't have it unfolded. But if I hadn't looked up the pictures, I, didn't, I should, should go and unfurl it and uh, 
and look at our official ecumenical Christian flag, I would not have been able to tell you either what that flag looked like. But it is an ecumenical flag. It was designed, um, I think, in the early 20th century to represent all of Christianity, to represent Christendom, the nation of Christ. It was adopted by the Federal Council of Churches in, in 1942, and it's been used by Methodists, Presbyterians, Mennonites, uh, Baptists, Lutherans, a number of Reformed churches. It's still fairly popular, although we don't do anything with it here at Bethany, but in certain uh, North America and South America churches as well as in Africa. Um, other places, it doesn't really have any kind of use uh, that's active. Uh, places like uh, Europe, they don't use it. But yeah, the flag has a white field that stands for purity, the purity of Jesus. Uh, the blue canton on that corner up there, that blue field is representative of the waters of baptism and the faithfulness of Jesus. And then the red cross, that red is for the, the blood that Christ shed for us on Calvary. So it does really have a lot of meaning for us. We just don't, rep- don't use that as a symbol of our faith. We tend to go for the fishes and the crosses. Um, but I also wonder, who can recite the pledge to this, to this flag? To, to the flag that no one talks about. <laughs> huh. I mean, we all know our Pledge of Allegiance. I mean, I learned that in school. But if I had to say what pledge I had learned as a Christian growing up, I probably would have thought John 3.16. <laughs> Right? In the King James tongue, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Right? That sounds like the pledge to me, but that's actually not right. (laughs) There are apparently some churches, in the research I did, there are some churches and some organizations that do practice a pledge of allegiance or an affirmation of loyalty to this ecumenical Christian flag for Christendom. And that pledge was written by a Methodist minister. little fun fact. And it is, I pledge allegiance to the Christian flag and to the Savior for whose kingdom it stands, one brotherhood uniting all mankind in service and in love. So I'll leave it up to you to look at our two pledges side by side. You can find it on the Googles. Yeah, somewhere on the interwebs you can find those pledges um, and decide which one, you know, kind of resonates most with you. But this one that we don't speak of, the one behind me, it speaks to a nation not of human origin, but one that is created out of the kingdom of God, even as that nation is scattered across so many worldly kingdoms. And as we consider that idea, we the people of Christ, from a biblical perspective, um, first let's start with our origin story. We're created in God's image. Do I have any argument with that? You can argue with me, but we're not going to have time to get into that conversation. (laughs) We are created in God's image. And if you're a Christian, that means, it should mean, that you have chosen to be a follower of Jesus. So there's a lot of details around that. But that kind of sums up who we are as a nation in Christ. Created in God's image, choosing to be followers of Jesus. And the law of our land comes from our Lord Jesus commanding us to love. So once upon a time on Saturday night, we had the chance to lift up out loud. Anybody remember that? When we were in the the old sanctuary, we were able to um, invite people to lift out their prayers up loud. So I'm going to invite you in a moment to do that. But share your prayers for the nations. Your prayer as a citizen of Christendom, 
Um, your prayers for the nations that will uh, lift up, that we can lift up to God and his people now. And I hope to ask again at the end, but you can certainly write them down and make sure I get those. I want to share them with everybody here later. But is there any uh, prayers for the nations that anybody would like to lift up at this time? And I have a scribe who will take note of that so that we can share those later. Any prayers for the nations? Yeah, Bob's just looking at me like I'm not going to talk about that. Do you have a prayer for the nation, Bob? You want to say it out loud or did you want me to? Would you like me to read it? Either way. (laughs) Either way. Thank you. Thank you. I'll see if I can read it. All right. Dear Lord, we thank you for this wonderful country we live in. We pray that we will practice the love you taught us. Help us to continue loving those who we may disagree with. Receive the... mm -mm -mm, Sorry. I'm not going to be able to read this. All right. What is this right here? Is that a prayer? Anger. 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 Ah. I think it is. To remove, thank you, remove the anger and divisiveness in our country and bring us together by our love and respect for each other. Thank you very much for that prayer. Lord, hear our prayers. And scribe, I will give this note to you later. Any other prayers for the nations that anybody would like to share now? Yeah. I'd like to lift up the leaders of all of the nations that they may be guided by God's wisdom and the Holy Spirit to... Mm. Bring us all together as one people. Prayers for the leaders of all the nations that they may be guided by the Holy Spirit to bring us together as one people. people. Amen. Lord, hear our prayer. Other prayers for the nations. Yeah, Jane. Amen. So prayers for for those who have been separating children from their families to stop that and that we may receive refugees with the love of God. Did I capture that? Okay. Lord, hear our prayers. Yeah, Barry. That as leaders and as a nation that we will truly practice the faith that we proclaim Mm. on Sundays. Mm. Now you're stepping on my toes. (laughs) <laughs> that as leaders in a nation that we may practice the faith that we profess on Sunday and Saturday as well, or any day that we're professing that, may that also be our practice. Lord, hear our prayers. One more. Suzanne. I, I oh, pray for the nations that are struggling with all the disasters, whether it be mm. you know, us with lava and floods and tornadoes, things that are beyond our control as people and governments grapple and struggle to meet the needs of those The resources are available, but we don't <laughs> connect and share those. But prayers for all of those nations that are experiencing uh, disasters or other things beyond their control and for the governments together, the collective of nations, uh, to come together to offer help where those needs are so great in relief and recovery. Lord, hear our prayer. If we have time at the end, I will open that up so you have time to think about it or definitely write those down so we can share those. And I'll bring them back next Sunday for everybody who wants to copy um, to keep those prayers for the nations in their mind in the coming days.
All right, our first reading tonight lays out the foundation for a developing nation in the Bible and for the law of the land. For the Jewish people, there's no separation of church or state. Being Jewish is a faith and a tribe and nationality, a culture. And this is a prayer for the nation from God's speaking out of the Second Chronicles chapter 7. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house. All that Solomon had planned to do in the house of the Lord and in his own house, he successfully accomplished. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I have heard your prayer, Solomon, and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves... Pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, practicing the profession of faith, like Barry said. If they do those things, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house so that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time As for you, if you walk before me as your father David walked, doing according to all that I have commanded you and keeping my statutes and my ordinances, then I will establish your royal throne as I have made covenant with your father David, saying, you shall never lack a successor to rule over Israel. But if you turn aside and forsake my statutes and my commandments that I have set before you and go and serve other gods and worship them, Then I will pluck you up from the land that I have given you. And this house, which I have consecrated for my name, I will cast out of my sight. And will make it a proverb and a byword among all peoples. And regarding this house now exalted, everyone passing by will be astonished. And say, why has the Lord done such a thing to this land and to this house? Then they will say, because they abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they adopted other gods and worshipped them and served them. Therefore, he has brought all this calamity upon them. Ooh, a harsh word in that prayer for that mindfulness of that new nation. In Solomon's work, uh, he has just built a palace that has come first. In the kingdom of the world, here is the seat for the anointed of God, ruler of the nation of the Jews. Again, which is political and religious, no division. Solomon is divinely appointed to lead that nation, but it involved a lot of bloodshed to get there. He is known for God's gift of wisdom in him, and still he has many wives and concubines in his life. It's complicated. This story of the people of God growing as one nation under God, this construction is to glorify God, as it shows the wealth and success and strength of God's people. And yet you have Solomon celebrating his own will being done. He says all he had in mind, he had succeeded. His agenda and his plan have been carried out in these impressive buildings that he has had his people build. It's hard to see the difference sometime in Solomon's self-centeredness and glorification and in his godly serving But this king's house is built, and then the big construction project that is the temple, God's seat and throne. 
It's the kingdom of God represented in earthly presentation of God's presence. And here in God's prayer, he chooses the temple for himself for all time. He uses the word forever in this passage. And yet it will come to pass that this too will fall. The temple and the palace. These are things of human construct. All that we build, castles, skyscrapers, bridges, we've all seen these things toppled and ruined. The national story of the United Kingdom of Israel is one from splendor to disaster. Splendor to disaster and back again. You have King David who captured Jerusalem around 1000 BC. That was fantastic. You have the temple finally built around 966, and King Solomon was the pinnacle of splendor for this nation. Barely does he get it going, though, and the kingdom divides, the north and the south. And with successive kings of Judah and Israel, we have a series of successive national disasters. The temple is destroyed. Jerusalem falls in 586. We have an exiled people in the diaspora. The nation of the Jews in the world rose and fell, even as they claimed the name and status of chosen by God. Its history is one that if we pay attention to our own story and our own identity in our young nation, America, and even in Texas, you can see some connections as you walk through the story of Israel. In our reading, God said to Solomon, I have heard your prayer. In the preceding chapter, that's chapter 6 of 2 Chronicles, Solomon prays for his nation. And in that prayer, he includes the foreigner who wants to become a part of that nation, who sees the godliness of it and wants to say, yes, um, have me, welcome me. And this is really timely for us as we seek to be a great nation ourselves, especially as we celebrate on Wednesday our independence as a nation. And at the same time, we still hurt for the oppressed people around the world who are in dangerous or oppressive nations. Solomon prays too in that, in that chapter 6 for, for the seasons that he knows will come, the seasons when the people have been defeated by their enemy, driven from the land, and desire to return to the land of their fathers. As we pray for the nations this weekend, we should remember the people, Native Americans, and Mexicans, who at one point have been defeated by an enemy and long to be brought back to their homeland. This is also their story. And God bless Texas. We say that, right? God bless Texas. It's a great country song. We see this to be God's country. I recently listened to a podcast and learned a little bit about Texas history. And at one point in the 1820s, in the 1820s, that was when Texas was a part of Mexico. Mexico was trying to restrict Anglo immigration from Texas into the United States. Texas was not independent itself until 1836, and it only became a part of the United States in 1845. And the reason that Mexico did not want any Anglo-American immigrants is because they didn't want us bringing slavery into their state of Texas. And y'all, this is really not that long ago in the history of this land. The illegal immigration of Americans into Mexico, it helped bring about Texas independence, which all Texans love to brag about. It's complicated, the story of the nation. 
This is why we have different opinions and different views because we have so much information and history that we forget or we only hold part of it. Another reason that we need to hear the story of Israel is that the people of Israel wanted to protect their ways. They had strict purity laws they wanted to uphold. They wanted to prevent worship of foreign gods that would lead them astray from God's law in their lives. And they tried to hold that balance of of loving God and loving the foreigner, loving the neighbor, Jewish, godly, or otherwise, as we do at our best as followers of Jesus. The story of my own people reflects this mess of a nation, of a world struggling to be a nation of God. My German ancestors immigrated here in the 19th century, and we were welcomed into America. God bless America. I'm really glad to be here. But my family were living impoverished places and impoverished lives to move to the Midwest to try to make a go of it as poor farmers. My husband can claim a Native American connection, but I cannot. All my people have immigrated here from Germany. But my people were allowed the chance to make the U.S. home. And then we had a couple of world wars. And our German heritage suddenly became a threatening and shameful thing in this country. It became dangerous to speak and teach and print in German. And so my great-grandparents and my grandparents had to hide a little bit who they were and change their ways to be safe in America. And I wonder, too, how many Christians there are now simply because it was life-threatening to be Jewish during World War II. And they had to hide who they were and change their ways. Y'all probably have a much greater story of nations in your life than I do. I come from a pretty homogenous tribe. So much of Israel's homogenous identity was lost in the same way too, though. Being in the diaspora and finding it necessary to assimilate into the nation where they dwelt in the world. Many of our nations around the world have this experience where they're really a blended people of many nations. And so when we pray for the nations... We're praying for our families, our brothers and sisters. We're praying for distant cousins, strangers in strange lands who call them home and home nations wrestling with how to invite people in for fullness of life. This is our struggle and our reality in the kingdom of the world for the nations of the world. It's complicated. In the kingdom of God, One nation truly indivisible with liberty and justice for all, it's a beautiful picture. Unlike the mess that we make in our best human efforts here in the United States. You can read the whole book of the Bible, all of the books in the Bible, to know that we are more of the same. Splendor and disaster, rising and falling. But you can also find glimpses for the nation that God can create. We have a little peek that I'm going to share with us tonight that's found in the the 22nd Psalm about what this nation that God can create might look a little bit more like. I will tell of your name to my brothers and sisters, God. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. Stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he did not despise or abhor the affliction of the afflicted, He did not hide his face from me, but heard when I cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will pay before those who fear him. 
The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. We need a godly global picture if we are to pray for the nations and glorify God. Our God is not American Christianity or patriotism. It's not capitalism or white culture. These are our ways and our idols. We will be in this world, absolutely, yes. And we will be in the midst of our geopolitical creations. And the easy path is to be about our way. Those ways, offering the world more of the same of what it offers to us. Us against them, separation, nationalism, and political parties that divide like hard stone walls of a palace that will eventually crumble. But God's construction, I love in the song that we sang, Nick, uh, the lyric said something about uh, the church that God will build. It's not the one we build. But God's construction of a people and a temple and a nation is what will last. What God builds is eternal. Again, we get glimpses. We make some good efforts in this world that hint at God's nation for us. One that is united the Olympics, right? We come together for that. World Cup soccer, eh, that's probably too painful, not a good example right now. Again, German fan. The well-being of the children of the world. It's something that matters to all of us. It's also a painful example now because those children are in our spotlight in a terrible way in our nation. I've had a lot of people asking me, what can I do? Definitely contact your congressperson. After the service was over, for those of you who've been wanting to know, I have a little list on some sheets I'll have in the back if you want to know what else you can do uh, to help with those children, um, to help care for them, to help unite them. Another glimpse is maybe in the United Nations, uh, international relations among the nations to address common challenges that the world has, cooperate on shared responsibilities in the one world, ideally to share resources, I know that more that is more likely a picture of the kingdom of God than a reality of the kingdom of the worlds. But I don't take the word united lightly. The United States, the United Methodist Church, they're called those things for a reason. And this has been our identity when we don't separate over issues or issues, when we see beyond our pain and hurts and look for God in each other, to look for that child of God. That word united means something to me. My theology of being united, the good, the bad, and lately the ugly as well. But it is for God's will for a reconciled people. Not a church, not a nation, but all of creation together in loving relationship. My desire for the kingdom of God when the kingdoms of the world are so obviously broken and hurting. It is complicated it's hard. It raises our tempers and our blood pressure. But for us who long to strive for the nation of God, his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, I want to leave you with this word. Keep calm and carry on. 
This slogan came from another nation. It came from Britain as they were preparing to enter World War II. This one nation really wanted to, uh, it was to boost the morale of Britain as that nation faced the nations at war. And I realized that John Wesley was dead before the slogan was promoted, but Wesleyan living started as an English way of life. So I figure it's part of our story as the Methodist nation. So I wanted to share that. Don't forget from that Psalm 22 reading, God rules over all the nations. Dominion is the Lord's. So let your allegiance be to him and not to the nations over him. We're going to move into a time of communion, so I apologize. I'm not going to be able to uh, let you lift up any more prayers out loud, but do write those down and share those with me at the end of the service. We can put those together, how we can continue to be in prayer for the nations as this gathering of God's people. In praying for the nations, listen to how God is calling you to offer him. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, in you we can be more what we, than what we make of ourselves in this world. In you we can be citizens of the nation of Christ. Help us, God, to seek him as our ruler for our lives. Lead us to be more obedient to his command, to love you and to share that love in this world. God, with all that we are and with all that we have, let us be offerings of your love for this nation and for all of the earth's nations so that what we bring about is a hint, a sign, a step toward the kingdom of God. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.